It's Tuesday, the 13th of February. It's time to get your gaming grin on with the Game Grin Grincast. It's talk about games. Ah, Aaron. Uh, hi there. Goes it goes. Hoi hoi. And Jackman. There are four A's in my name. Well, we get on to four A's with this quadruple A podcast. But first, what have you been playing, Aaron? Uh, I've been playing through some Alan Wake. It's uh, it's pretty fun, pretty spooky. Starring Sam Lake. I think so, yeah. I'm, I'm bad at names sometimes, but it, it really is a, a fun game. I really enjoy the narrative so far, and the atmosphere is just really pitch perfect in a lot of places. It says the picturesque Finnish winter. Even though it's not winter. Just dark and horrible. I love dark and horrible. Then you must love Alan Wake. Yes. Okay, it goes, it goes. What about you? I played a lot of stuff, like from Steam Next Fest. And I also played Grand Blue Fantasy Link. I played a lot of that. Very good game. Very good. I, uh, it, it reminded me... I mean... It's uh, it's a common knowledge, although it's not. I I I'm not sure if they appear in the credits, but early on, Platinum Games worked on this, so the game really feels like one of their games, like controls like Bayonetta or oh, it's repetitive. Balloons. Sorry. Oh, it's repetitive. No, it's not repetitive. <laughs> it has. It has stuff like dodge offset, where you continue your combo. If you dodge in the middle, you can do a combo, get to like third hit, dodge, and continue from from the fourth one right after. That's one of the staples of their games, and it just I don't know characters just con- control like characters in their games, and and you have a thing where. If you want to land, launch an enemy, you jump and you press the attack right after. That's also in a lot of their games, and I'm not aware of anyone else doing it that way. Is there demon hair? No, there, there's no demon hair, but there's a vari- variety of characters. I, I think that's... I, I mean, it's developed by Psy Games, who made the... the original Grand Blue Fantasy, the mobile game, the mobile JRPG. And they've been on a, like, hot streak with their games, like, there was Grand Blue Fantasy Versus Relink released recently, a few months ago, and that's a fighting game, and that's super accessible, as a lot of different characters that are all very easy to control, and they're varied. And this is the same thing, just uh, 3D beat em up. It's it's really really good. Like there's, I think there, I think there's something for everyone in it. And oh, and it's like you have a party of four characters, like the mobile GRPG, and the AI for them is amazing. They they are just so they just perfect dodge everything. And I mean, you can level up, level them up, and customize them like a JRPG to suit your needs. Change your party composition; they will carry you. 
Sounds like my kind of game. I like being carried. Uh, Jackman, what about you? Uh, I played a lot of Sovereign Syndicate, and I'm still working my uh, eternal way through God of War 2018. Currently in that, I'm working on the side stuff like the um, Muspelheim and Niflheim challenges, which is fun and frustrating in equal measures, mainly because I'm stubborn and refuse to actually uh, optimize my build, so I just bash my head against the wall until I win or bash the controller. So far, controller's okay. Well, they're not as sturdy as they used to be. Me, I've I, I returned recently to uh, Star Trek from 2013, based on the Kelvin verse movies, and um, the other day I played some more of that, bunch more of that, and m- most of the changes in the universe revolve around this one attack in the like before Captain Kirk was born. And everything spins out of that. But in the game, they introduce the Gorn, which is an alien species that they've never encountered before. And spoilers for an 11-year-old game that you can no longer buy anymore. It turns out that they've been sucked through a portal from another universe. And... That's that's quite different from the normal Star Trek universe where they just were a species. <laughs> yeah, that's certainly bizarre. Honestly, uh, that game's been on my radar for a bit and I've been trying to track down a copy uh, because I was just looking through the one of, one of the Star Trek wikis and noticed that the Kelvin version of Bones delivered a Gorn baby in the game, and I want to know the context behind that and play it. Especially since, like, Star Trek from the, the main universe, we, we've learned over the years that their the young are born in the still-living bodies of, like, other species. Yeah, maybe the fact that they come from like a different universe kind of means that they reproduce differently. That's interesting. I'm, I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, so what are far, the metaphysical implications of the Gorn babies? <laughs> so far, the portrayal of Bones has not been a favorable one. He has been an absolute coward and wanted to stay locked in a room where it was safe when we were trying to escape from a exploding space station. Lovely. <laughs> I I mean, you only get to play it as Kirk or Spock, and it's a co-op. Like it's, it, you can play it co-op or solo, but both characters are there all the time, so you can't really bring another character along. But still, it just make it, it it makes him come off poorly. I am a complete beginner in Star Trek lore. Please forgive my stupid question, but is this uh, based on the? <laughs> The series or the movie? Yes. The The game I'm talking about is based on the newer movies with Chris Pine. Okay, okay. That that answers questions and raises several more. Oh, do they play Sabotage anywhere in the game? 
not yet, but they do have the the iconic the Enterprise has just appeared in frame in a triumphant music section of music. Oh wow, so beautiful, so beautiful. I actually rewatched that film for the first time for like ever a couple months ago, and I uh, I certainly liked it more than I did the first time. But wow, it is. It is it is a bit weird in places. Yeah, yeah all, all three of them are. <laughs> but I don't think you could have had this sort of game with like original series or Next Generation or even Discovery cast. I mean, you certainly couldn't with Discovery cast, but that's another podcast where I complain about Michael Burnham being a savior complex. Anyway. I do Mary like Sue. Michael Burnham, admittedly, but I do wish uh, there were, that we got more of the other characters, too. Yes, I wish there were other characters in that show, too. <laughs> I mean, I really like Tilly and and other members of the cast. Michael Burnham is great, admittedly. No, no I'm not going to rant about it. No, I've got other things to rant about, because we're here to talk about quadruple A titles. Yay! They have well, four A's. How many A's would you give the Star Trek from 2011? I'd give that um, a number of A's. But Yves Gilmont, the CEO co-founder of Ubisoft, has given Skull and Bones a quadruple A rating. Because in a recent conference call discussing Ubisoft's quarter three sales... For its fiscal year 2024, Yves Guillemot said that no, we don't think this should have been a free-to-play game. We are happy about charging $70 for it and having it live service, microtransactions, um, because you will see that Skull and Bones is a fully-fledged game, he said, according to videogameschronicle.com. It's a very big game, and we feel that people will really see how vast and complete the game is. It's a really full, triple, quadruple A game that will deliver in the long run. Triple quadruple? Wow. I see, I see. (laughs) Triple quadruple. Sorry, how how much is the game again? It is $70. Wow. Five pounds. And you said it's like an always online game that's supposed to have a bunch of content and stuff? That is correct. Wouldn't that make it a contemporary of the very popular Sea of Thieves, which is less? Well, you can have 20 players in a server. How many can you have in Sea of Thieves? I don't know. I don't really like this type of game. I don't really like games that are always online very much. Well, I bet in Sea of Thieves you can't um, fight sea monsters. I'm pretty sure you can. And, That's and all you do, really. Ships and what about ghost ships? <laughs> I think they're, they're skeletons, but I think, I think there might be ghosts as well. I, again, haven't played it. There, there's skeleton ships. Wow, I like skeletons. They're like ghosts, but bonier. Well, 11 different parts of the Ubisoft framework company. There, there are 11 studios that go by Ubisoft Singapore, Ubisoft, Montreal, whatever, have worked on this game. Eleven. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of people. I I played the closed beta a while ago, and 
it did not play like 11 studios had had of it. <laughs> so it was like very, so it ran very well. It didn't feel like too many cooks. Okay, when you put it that way, <laughs> it felt like 40 companies had had it. I mean, that's basically Star Citizen, isn't it? They like formed studios all around the world to make that game and everyone works on something different. But has anyone made a good part of the game yet? Mm -hmm. because... I don't know either. That's too much money for me to drop on a game in a genre I don't really care about. Would you have given it a go if it was free to play? Possibly, if I had friends who were asking me to, to give it a shot. But on my own, probably not. Well, I, was, I played it out of sheer curiosity. You were allowed a certain number of hours during the closed beta to play it, and I played until it just crashed for no reason. <laughs> I was like, yeah, not going back in there. Oh. Yeah, that's fair. That certainly sounds like an exercise in frustration. But yeah, uh, what do we think that quadruple A means, according to Yves Guillemont? Does it mean that a game has been worked on for 10 years and had at least one and been worked on by millions and millions of man hours, costable man hours. <laughs> Honestly, for like to, to think of a workable term to use quadruple A for in the current marketplace, I would probably just say that quadruple A is a marketing buzzword to say that you put a lot of money and effort into something more so than a typical triple A game. It's basically there to trick people, because no one knows what AAA means. It's just, yeah, AAA, that's a, that's a good game, right? It's supposed to be good. Well, when you think about it, a AAA title these days is $70, and this quadruple A title is also $70, so you're getting an extra A for your money. Surely a quadruple A title should be a hundred dollars. I don't just mean the ultimate edition, which you know is. Don't put ideas in their head, please. <laughs> that that just means that they prize the game like fairly. Yeah, I mean, putting aside whether or not games like this should be seventy dollars, if they're pricing it the same as they would price a triple A game, then that implies to me that they possibly don't think that they can sell this game that's supposed to be worth more at that higher price point. I wonder if it would be better for the companies to actually say how much they how much money they spend on a video game to like justify this price and they could like compare notes. Now I guess if you make it clear then no you can't really cuz like GTA next GTA comes out and they spend like millions upon millions on it, and it co if it costs seventy, then yeah, if if someone else spends less than that, they can't say that they that seventy is a fair price for their game. Yeah, yeah, it's better to keep it vague, control the masses. <laughs> no, it's a good point. The only thing I can come up with is what. what would be a useful categorization is if we start calling all of the live 
service games, quadruple A. That's a pretty big distinction between uh, within triple uh, A games, for example, which ones are live service and which ones aren't. Why not just call them live service games then? Well, if we have to use the bloody quadruple A for something, then I suppose. Though I have to agree with the, what you've said. The whole quadruple A just seems like, yeah, we made this thing, but it's better somehow. It's betterer. It's betterer. I love it when things are better. The betterest. Wow, that's even better than better. The breast. Wow. I love breast. I love breast too. Especially one. I wonder how much of it is um, the fact that it's a brand new IP and they're trying to get as much money out of it day one as possible because they know in the long run it's not going to sell as well as Rainbow Six blah blah blah. Like Rainbow Six Yeah, that's a good point. I also get the feeling they're trying to make the uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flags lightning strike twice. And they'd have done a great job of that five years ago? Seven years ago? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Indeed. And what you're talking about Black Flags was the latest Assassin's Creed, I'm pretty sure. No, 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 sorry. You're, you're clearly forgetting about the critically acclaimed Assassin's Creed Rogue, where... Came you... out in 2013. That one's the most recent one, for sure. Yeah, it seems that they've... this When Skull and Bones was announced, it was announced as like a spin-off of the, the ship-sailing mode. But then rather than do exactly that, they've come up with other ways to spin it, like other ideas, and there might be 11 studios involved. (laughs) That might be the issue. Everyone has a different idea as to what it should be, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So so rather than just copy and paste the the, uh, ship mode... Oh, what if we do this and what if we do that? And I mean, I think it certainly can be admirable to want to try and, you know, add things on and sort of do reinventions of those things. But as mentioned before, there is an issue of too many cooks spoiling the pot. And I think it might be better to like sort of pick one or a couple of those cool ideas to draw on and run with those as the basis for at least the first title in this new gameplay spin-off IP. That way, those can sort of become the identity of the game, and then you can perhaps get to other ideas in the future and sort of work around what seems to be received best by fans. So I've just uh, double-checked what the price of Sea of Thieves is. And you can get the deluxe edition for £45 on Steam. Or wow. you can get it on Game Pass. Or you can get it on Game Pass, yes. It you can, you can have... get the Game Pass, play it, and then never play it again if you get bored. It does have microtransactions, and uh, according to SteamDB, the lowest recorded price is £17.49. So 50% off. That raises a question for me. Will Skull and Bones have a extra purchases microtransactions it's microtransactions. a live service it's a live service game of course it will ah yes of yeah, course be shocked if not 
So. It definitely will. Honestly, yeah, I think that if a game costs 70, it shouldn't have microtransactions. I feel like at that much, you should be getting everything the game has to offer. Maybe without like big bits of DLC that are going to come later and stuff, I would disagree there and say that it should also come with those, but I can get why you might uh, leave those as a separate purchase. But if the big part of what you're thinking you're going to get your money from in a game is the microtransactions, don't price the game that high so more people get into it. Well, like the thing is also that this game has been in development for a long time. They spent money on marketing. They spent money on development. So like, yeah, they're under pressure to make it profitable because Ubisoft is a business. They're not trying to make fun games first. They're trying to make money first. I, I definitely understand that. But I think on a certain level... If your game has microtransactions, then you're kind of trying to model a little bit off of like free-to-play markets, where the idea is you get into sort of the base experience for relatively cheap, and then you're able to, you know, oh, buy this little thing or this larger, more fun thing, and improve your experience a bit and just keep doing this over and over and over again and give us all your money and making the cost to enter initially just kind of reduces the amount of people that you can get into that loop of buying microtransactions and i think 70 dollars is a steep price to pay to get into a live service game even if it was like the best live service game ever I don't know, like, the numbers, but I imagine that they count on sunk cost fallacy, that a lot of people will, will buy it because it's the next big game, and there's a lot of, like, diehard Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft fans who will defend those games even if they aren't great. So they might just count, like, think that they will get the most money from the purchases well the the way i think of it is 70 dollars your regional equivalent is a, a lot of money for someone to drop in one go whereas the the mobile model of oh it's, it's a new month i, I can spend 10 pound on this game oh next month i can spend another 10 pound on this game I, I can buy the various weapons, armors, furnitures, and vanities that are available in Skull and Bones. Oh, I gotta make sure that I have all the cool new latest stuff so I can show off to my friends. I'll just drop like 10 bucks on this each month. I, I never oh, I really like that, that Harley Quinn costume in Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. I will drop... 10 pounds worth of luther coins why did they not call them lex bucks um to get that harley quinn costume exactly is, is it the one from the movie I, I mean probably i don't know I, I took one look at the store and i was like nah <laughs> i think you... i agree with you is there that uh the mobile version seems much more sensible and at least for me 
uh, anytime there's a game with microtransactions, especially now with what happened to Funimation and Crunchyroll, for example, the fear of these kinds of games just disappearing is quite real. Which means if I sink £70 on it, and then let's say, for whatever reason, I sink another 20 30 £40 into it on cosmetics and upgrade stuff or whatever, some nice flags, the risk of uh, losing all of that suddenly is quite big, and that's a big investment to just lose without anything to show for it. Exactly, yeah. Like, on the one hand, yes, you're paying for, like, an experience to enjoy something and have fun. But you're also paying for the ability to do that over and over and over again. And if you can't get all the fun out of it because it doesn't exist anymore, then you're kind of cheated out of that money. The Crew, a game that came out quite some time ago, will no longer be playable as of the 1st of April even though it's it's got a story mode. You can play it single player and just drive around America, fine. But it's an always online game. So when Ubisoft shut down the servers on the 31st of March this year, you're not going to be able to play the crew anymore. And that's going to happen with Skull and Burns. It's going to happen with all games that are always online, live service or not. Oh, so, that's bad. It's, it's not great. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's all going to be fine. There's people who say, oh, that's why I always buy physical copies. Okay, buy a physical copy of Skull and Bones and then play it in 2030. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, it's got shut off three years ago. There is a reason. Because now the concept of ownership in games and in media in digital media is so is evolving i suppose i just find it funny how companies like well maybe like ubisoft want to make the definition of ownership mean that you can have this thing for now but batten your latches if you if you ever happen to find a copy in completely legal circles and completely legally acquire it that would be stealing yeah but on the other hand, I've, I've got a cup right in front of me, and if I could just rent it for like five years, and then in five years' time it gets taken away, that, that'd be fine. Then I just wouldn't have a cup. I'd buy another cup. Well, Sorry, true, but what if all cup. cups? What if all cups were like that? And what if you had one cup that you really liked, and all the other cups just you know don't have the right feel to them? And And in five years, Ubisoft came and just smashed the cup, so I couldn't have it anymore, even though I really liked it. Exactly. Oof, that's scary. I like cups. <laughs> in this analogy, owning the physical copy is uh, Ubisoft coming around and cutting a hole in the bottom. <laughs> yeah. You deserve to be able to keep using your cup, even if it's like you can't take it to a social gathering and chink it up against other cups. Clink? I don't know what the right word... Like, whatever onomatopoeia you'd use to, like, smash a cup into another cup and not break them both. Don't forget to smash that cup button. <laughs> Alright, well, I think we've reached the end of our podcast. Thank you for joining me, Aaron, Nichols, and Jackman. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. I apologize for very little.
And thank you for listening and subscribing to the Greencast. Your support means a lot. If you want to hear more from us, listen to our anime podcast, The Pals Anime Lounge. And of course, check out our writings on GameGrin.com. Until next time, game on.